guys, welcome back to Hope Nevada. We are so glad that you are choosing to join us again this week as we shine light on places that um, are really invested in bringing hope to Northern Nevada in a variety of ways. Uh, and we have another community partner with us today that we're excited to talk to. And uh, we hope that this will not only be an enlightening conversation for you, but maybe it's a place that if you're looking to connect or looking to plug in, um, there's some opportunities in that, in that as well. And so I'll turn it over to Whitney and she's gonna introduce our guest today. Well, today we're here with Michael and Angel Swayze. In their own description, they are just a normal couple who said yes to the call of Jesus. The Swayze's joined missions full-time in 2014 with Youth with the Mission, also known as YWAM. YWAM is an international mission ministry founded in 1963 with a focus to know God and make Him known through evangelism, training, and mercy ministry. Coming up on April 16th, the Swayze's are getting ready to start and lead Reno's own discipleship training school. And so that said, I'm going to turn it over to Michael and Angel, and we would love if you all can introduce yourself and a little more about YWAM. Yeah, thank you so much. We are super excited to be here, so thank you for inviting us and being a part of this. Uh, YWAM for us, uh, in the beginning, it was such a an interesting call because the Lord told us through multiple people. We thought Youth with a Mission was for people just out of high school or just for college age people, not people in their 30s with a family of five. So when the Father called us to, to partner with Him and, and to do this, uh, to step into YWAM, we were doing multiple things in the city. And so we thought, oh God, we're already doing, quote unquote, what you want us to do. But we specifically said, Lord, do you want us to do something more? And so when he called us to do a discipleship training school with Youth with the Mission, it was uh, definitely a fun roller coaster ride of uh, five months of just going on a honeymoon with Jesus, you know, getting to know who is my groom, who is who is the Father God, and, and what does he want for our lives? How does he view us? And so, yeah, we got to, to jump into that, and it was absolutely life-altering for us and our mindset in, in who we thought we are and who God's called us to be, and uh, definitely strengthened our marriage and our family, became even tighter. Um, just to step into who you are and your identity is, it is literally the most freeing thing possible. So you're no longer a caged bird thinking, I know what I think I'm supposed to do, but really stepping into it. And in having your identity, um, when the Father tells you that you have authority, I remember specifically in one class, um, one week, uh, the Father was releasing and showing me what authority means in that I mean, I literally began to giggle and couldn't stop laughing because in Genesis it says that we have dominion over the animals. And I was like, wait, 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 what? And it was just kind of one of those moments where God just says, aha, uh -huh. it's almost like the light being turned on. And wait a minute, I have authority over animals? I have, you know, I have authority over so many things that I didn't understand and realizing my superpower, quote unquote, was uh, definitely in the Father. So. It was quite awesome to step into um, really understanding who we are as a couple, as a family, and as individuals, and then walking that out for that five-month time frame um, here in uh, America, and then taking that overseas and helping other people unlock who they are. It's pretty beautiful. It's pretty amazing. 
So how about for you, Michael? Was full-time mission work in this way? Was that ever something that you would have predicted or you saw coming? 100%. I, uh, from a young age, felt the draw towards representing Jesus in a full-time kind of way. However, I also felt the draw to have a wife right away. And having a wife led to having children and the desire to be a good caretaker. So I immediately kind of mixed up my desire to go into missions with my desire to have the family. And life became about making a paycheck. It became about filling, fulfilling what I saw as my responsibility to provide for my family. And um, goodness, for a long time, 32, 33 years, I worked in food service ministering as best I could in the workplace, kind of in workplace ministry, young people who would come and work for me, helping them find vision for their for their future. But goodness, there was like a there was like a space in my heart that still longed to to for it to be the whole and complete thing that I did, that I didn't do food as my uh vehicle, if you will, to pass along some help. Um and it wasn't until, as Angel said, the Lord began speaking to us about joining youth with a mission. At that point, we're three kids into it. Um, I had secured a degree by that point, but I never suspected that I actually could have my cake and eat it too, if you will. I, many times, self-talk, the self-talk I would have is that I'm called to the marketplace and that's where I minister. And I say that because it's important to recognize that that is a thing. People are called into the marketplace, and that is their that is their area to minister to. But I didn't believe him in the beginning, because he was bringing people that to me seemed at random to talk about what about missions, and I just dismissed it. It it had to literally come from the pulpit one day, where where the. The, the pastor got up and, and he began to share a message from the Lord for someone specifically in the church that day that the Lord was calling them to step out into the field they're called to, to step into a dream that they supposed was dead, and then they would find the provision for their journey. Those three things I just stated, my wife and I literally prayed in those words the Saturday before church. And so to have that moment where something inside of you gets quickened and you did not even think it was possible for that lens of possibility to be open. It just, it blew me away. And probably that's the moment where my no turned into a definite yes, because it required a gigantic financial investment for us to make the change. We had to pick up our family, move to California. And I mean, it's just, that's the least of it all. But that, that expense, I'm like, I, I don't have the money to go to school again. And the Lord, you know, that was part of my prayer complaint. <laughs> yeah. Where am I going to get the resource for that? Mm-hmm. How am I going to do that? But my wife, she's so she's so faithful to the Lord. And she's like, we will go and we will show up on their front step, whether we have the money or not, because the Lord told us to do that. Yeah. And had you had any background with YWAM prior to that point? Like when you knew the call to missions was, did you know automatically that was a call to YWAM or did that kind of work itself out in time? So we were familiar with YWAM, but as my wife spoke earlier, our perception was that it was for young people. 
which is what most people think. Right. Because we had only known high school kids graduating high school and going off to YWAM. I had never even realized. In fact, one of the stories, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but my grandmother passed away. And while I was there, uh, I met a young gentleman. He really is not young. He's in his 30s. His name was Way is Wayman. And he came and he came and met me. And he told me, God sent me here with a message for you. You need to consider joining YWAM. What? You don't even know me. And you've come and brought this message to me. And then my response to him was, well, I thought YWAM is for kids. And that was our first exposure to that YWAM has many programs. And YWAM is about knowing God and making God known. And they do that in many different ways. But that is what they're about. Mm-hmm. And part of their, if you read the story, uh, Is That Really You, God? Uh, it's a book. You find out that in the beginning of our mission, there was a vision that Lawrence Cunningham had of uh, the shores of every nation having a gigantic wave of young people hit it, mm-hmm. college-age people, hit the, hit the shores and take the gospel. And the time in which he had that vision, the only people who went on mission were people who usually had a degree and were much older and much more prepared. So the idea that he would take young people for long-term missions mm-hmm. was out of the box. And right. In fact, got rejected in the very beginning. So having that message brought to me, I'm like, we kind of got the call to the missions thing and YWAM in the same moment. Because up until that point, I was just like, I don't know, I don't see it. Mm-hmm. Had a desire, but didn't even necessarily, couldn't quantify the desire to you. Yeah, wow. Well, Angel, I would love if you would talk about, just kind of sharing some of that history. Before we turn the microphone on, you were saying how... Uh, deep your family roots go back into Reno, how this is so deeply home to you. What does it mean to you to get to bring a YWAM base, to get to bring a discipleship training school here to a place that you so consider home? Well, yeah. um, So my family, I'm a sixth generation Renoite. So um, that means grandpa six back um, literally came and helped start the foundations of Reno when in the very beginning when it was Lakes Crossing. So we're talking way, way, way back in the beginning of Reno and the foundation of Reno. And so when the Lord was speaking to us about coming back to Reno, to me, it was like, are you kidding me? Like home, like Reno has been home all my life. Now, we've lived in other countries for periods of time, but for God to call us and say, no, I want you to come join me in Reno, it was just, I mean, I we cried. We were so excited, like, cried for happy tears and scared tears and excitement all at the same time because we're like, oh, we get to take it and bring it back. There is such a deep roots of um, many, many intercessors for you generations have been praying for the soil of Reno to literally be turned over from what it was to what God wants it to be. I mean, this started off with Reno being such a, a negative thing. I mean, it was, the land was taken from the natives and then, you know, turned into gambling and, you know, um, and prostitution, all these negative things. And the father said, no, this is my land. I've called this land. And so when he called us to come back to Reno, to be a part of the intercession and to be a part of turning that soil over, I mean, there are many, many, many people in the valley who young men, women, old, it across the board from different churches who have started to speak up and say, yeah, 
I heard that I had this dream. God gave me a vision and, and of these different people coming together. And in the beginning, they were quiet because they were like, well, this is just inside of me. And they kept it. But it was literally of an, an, an eagle coming and taking his talents, digging them in the soil and turning the soil over. And um, for God's kingdom, like he said, I'm turning the soil over, not just the physical soil, but the heart soil of his kids in this, in this region, in this valley. And it was so interesting because then the father directly started speaking to us when he said for us to come to Reno, he said that we were farmers and that we were coming to this land and the soil was to be tilled. And there are other farmers that were going to be joining us, other partners, other ministries, you know, and so we might come with one tool, but they might come with all and they're going to come with, you know, all these different, you know, different tools to help get the soil prepared. And so that's what we did for the first couple of years in Reno was help get the soil. You know, the farmers have arrived in the beginning. We needed, we needed a land. We needed, um, I called it a shack, a house for the farmers to come, for this family to come and to live. And, and we had different people in the church partnering, say, Hey, we have a house that you can rent. And so then we had a place to live and, and um, to help bring the soil and then partnering with all these churches to till that soil and to make this this land ready to receive God's goodness. And we're like, God, you asked us? Like, we're just two normal people, but you've asked us to come and be a part of what you're doing in the city. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, this is too big. We're just two people. He said, that's why you're not alone. There's other farmers in the city who've already been working on the soil and I want you to partner with me. Will you join me? And so when Michael and I were like, you want us to join you? Yes, yes. We say, yes, we'll join you in the city. And so for me, it was so exciting because no, he wasn't calling us to, to go to other places at other YWAM bases. We were approached about joining their team and we didn't get the yes from them. You know, it, they were saying, will you? And God said, nope, not that one. I mean, we had other nations asking us to partner with them, uh, you know, but Father said, nope, not that one. Mm -hmm. And then other bases in Re in um, America saying, will you join our staff? Because they could see what the Father saw in us. And so when we say, Papa, and he said, nope, not that one. We're like, okay, we'll just keep waiting until you said. And then he said, will you join me in Reno? So, oh my goodness, what an amazing opportunity to join with Papa what, with what he's doing. I mean, come on, that's like, that's the best thing ever. Very cool. No, yeah. thank you for sharing that. And Mike, I wanted to go back to something you said a little bit ago. You talked about how you had a desire to represent Jesus. And I thought mm -hmm. you brought up a really great point about whether that's in what we'd consider full-time full-time ministry, which any follower of Jesus is in full-time ministry, but what we consider that, or if you're working in the marketplace or whatever you're doing as a, in Christ, we are representing Jesus. Um, I would love if you, if you would both talk about what are the ways you think that Jesus has been misrepresented to our culture, to our world, to our city, that when we're going out to represent Christ mm -hmm. to the world, what does that look like to do and what are the ways that he has been misrepresented? Probably in the aspect of uh, love. You know, it's, it's easy to find yourself in a conversation with another person regardless of who they are or what they believe and you have inside of you what you think, what you believe. And... 
it, that that can, can come in what you think, what you believe, and what you feel about things can come in competition with your love for the other person. And maybe and sometimes we don't even have that aspect of love opened up in us. You know, and so like I would define the word love as my great the greatest desire for your betterment, for your benefit. You know? And so I think that in representing Jesus, we have misrepresented ourselves sometimes because although we do love that person, our love is not quite full yet. And so we believe that the way that looks is in me convincing you of how I feel and of what I believe. And so many times um, in our journey, Angel and I um, find ourselves connecting with people who deal with being emotionally and mentally overwhelmed and, and they, in many cases, they take medicine, and and uh, different cases it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And life, their life is overwhelming them. It would be very easy in that moment to tell them what I think. But for me, my truest source of truth comes from the Word of God. And so then I take them to the Word and I point them to God, whose love is the purest. And so then, so so for me, that misrepresentation is like when I'm, and I do find myself doing it. I'm not saying that I've got this all dialed in. There are moments when I want to prove myself right because I believe my truth. I believe that what I think, I need to prove it to you so that you'll be better. Mm -hmm. And I just, I have to believe that the Lord, if I can get them to look into Father God, there's an acronym I like to tell people and it's life, look into Father's emotions when I'm helping these individuals. I'm like, if I can get you to look into His heart and you hear what He is saying, and you can hear his heartbeat, he'll convince you. I don't, I don't have to convince you. So that frees me in my communicating with people from having to be right. Mm. It frees me from even having to think about, did I bring up Jesus in this conversation? Did I say the right things in this conversation? Oh, only if I had said this part of the, mm -hmm. if I had done this. If I can just remember... Point them, to, point them towards His love. You know, mm -hmm. that so that's the area where I feel like we most represent, or most commonly gets misrepresented, is this like we want to love them by our own, I guess, by our own definition rather than by His definition. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. yeah, that's very good. And that's such a, I I love that. That's how you sum that up. Well, we start, we start with love. We mm -hmm. start with looking at what is the best for the other person. And I think in my own life, there can be times where I'm really grappling with, okay, okay, Lord, what does it look like to love? What does love require of me in this situation? What does it look like? And mm -hmm. I, I think about my dad when I was growing up would, would, all, would say, my, how, many, how many problems in life can be quickly solved with simply doing what's best for the other person? Like how many, th like if I really stop and think about, what if I treated this person the way I would hope to be treated? that's going to solve a lot of things. And so I love that you started there. Wherever we are in whatever marketplace we're in, um, whoever we get our paycheck from, wherever we're spending our days, like let's start here when we're representing Christ to the world. Yeah. And so I would love if you would talk about, you You talked about, I think you said it was YWAM's, um, their mission statement or focal point to know God yeah. and to make God known. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk about what you have learned about God just in this journey? with him through, through why we am or through following him. What, when it, when we talk about knowing God, what do you know about God now that maybe you didn't five years ago? Oh man, his love is so big. 
if you just took a moment to grasp the depth of his love, oh man, you'd be lost for a long time just in the sea of his love for you and that he desires for you to see yourself the way he sees you. He doesn't see you the way you are right now, you know, January 2020. He doesn't see you right here. He sees you as the finished product. As Not product is the wrong word, but he sees you as the whole you that he's made you. You know, you don't look at a baby and go, well, that's it. You know, you look at a baby and you go, oh, look at they're going to grow up to be da-da-da-da-da. Well, Papa has that for you in a greater way because he knows exactly what you're going to become, what he desires for you to become. So when we step in and say yes to what he desires us to, to become, oh, man, alive, is that just so beautiful? Because, yeah, you, you have brokenness right now. You might, you're not living up to your full potential in a sense that your actions are not lining up with your calling. And I think as parents, that's the one thing that we want to help our kids to understand is that, hmm, that action didn't line up with your calling in life. Would you like to try that again, you know? Or just one of those things where Father God sees us in a, such a, a bigger and prettier, beautiful way because it's the whole us than the parts of us that is still growing. Um, so I think that right there would have to be one of the biggest things I've learned is that mm -hmm. Papa sees me in a way. And so I continually pray, Lord, would you give me the focal point, the glasses, the vision, um, or the perspective of how you see me, which is full and whole, which is lacking nothing. Oh, wow. And then, of course, the authority piece where we can literally change the atmosphere of what's happening around us. We get to choose the perspective of what we see. We get to change the perspective uh, or the atmosphere of where we are and then walking that out in a greater way to show love. I mean, that's our whole purpose in life is to represent the Father, to be that hands and feet, the walking voice and the hands to hug or, you know, or the arms to hug, those that need us most, you know, so... Yeah, the biggest thing God has shown me is how deeply he loves me, my authority in him, and probably the last thing that he's probably showed me that I didn't realize had such weight would probably be the words that I speak. Hmm. Literally, what comes out of my mouth and the power that, that the words that we speak unleashes love, or destruction. We get to pick. And so daily we rise and we say, Lord, let our words release love today. To, yeah. Everyone that we come in contact, let us build them up in the name of Jesus. Let us love them the way you love them today, Father God. I mean, before our feet even hit the floor, that's something we pray is, is that what we speak and what we say today would release people into a greater understanding of who they are, what they're called to, and how do we love them most. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I would say in, in three areas, identity, destiny, and truth. You know, right off the bat, the Lord began showing me in school when I was in the discipleship training school, how I'm identified and how he is identified. Even this, the idea of knowing God, an invitation to discover him, 
that he wants to show himself to me, that he isn't hiding himself from me. And I don't have to be afraid about falling down dead, and I know the word has things to say about that, but then there's this open invitation for me to meet the original father, my original father, him. And then as I drew closer to him and began understanding some things about his character, like his love, as my wife so eloquently is, is uh, painting, how relentless it is, how unqualified, like it isn't even about qualification. The fact that you are qualifies you. And he loves you whether you say yes, he loves you whether you say no. And sure, those roads lead to different places, but the love is the love is a truth. It is there. It is available. And as I began to swim in that ocean that she was talking about, my self-hatred went away. Um, just things about regret about the past because I'm, I'm a natural leader and there was times in my life where I was not connected to the love and I was, out of, I was out of the faith. It wasn't about belief. I knew Jesus existed and all that, but I just didn't think it was legit to actually achieve it. And people had come to me for help and I had given them the best natural knowledge I could, knowing the whole time, what they really needed was for me to point them towards dad, towards the father in heaven. But because I was upset with him, I did not do that. And so moments with him during that five months, he spoke to those areas in my heart where he's like, don't you think that I love them so much that I would not leave them where you left them? Yeah. And that I have forgiven you. I forgave you the moment you did it. Yeah. In fact, I forgave you before you even did it. And it just, it just blew me away that his, his ability to go back into my history and show me a perspective I never even suspected. Mm-hmm. And then he began showing me things about my destiny, the things that he has intentions about, things that he has in my future, and that if I would decide my direction, he would lead each step, and that I don't have to run what I have a desire in my heart, the goals and dreams in my heart. don't have to run through my pocketbook. They don't have to run through my calendar. They don't have to run even through what you believe I can do. If I give them to him and I and I just I, I hand them over to him, he can redeem them and he can empower them. And they'll come back into your life in a way you never suspected. Yeah. And then the element of truth. It grew up, uh, I've grown up in our faith. I've grown up in Christianity. And um, I'm a very... Uh, in the way my mind is, I'm a very why-oriented person. I want to know why something is the way it is. Um, and that works really well when it's taught in terms of approaching your Bible study. So I knew lots of things about the Bible. I knew lots of things that it said. I've had lots of mentors and tutors. But as I grew older into adulthood, I started finding other ideas, and I started finding what I felt were discrepancies. And those discrepancies are a part of what culminated in my, like, I'm, I'm just, I'm upset with you, Lord. I don't understand, so I've got to go. And during the discipleship training school, I will go back to that school over and over and over because for me, it was a crossroads moment. Yeah. It was when that moment when he said, what about listening to me instead of listening to the other people? Yeah. Instead of listening even to your own thoughts, what you think about it. Why don't you ask me what I believe? about ladies in your life in terms of how they interact in church, for example, or even how you interact with someone who has slightly different beliefs about me. Somebody who has a total misunderstanding about what identity is and how they identify themselves. Yeah. 
this idea of connecting to the truth of God as the spirit of truth and it freed me in a way where I didn't have to have those shackles of what other people have taught me. What even what I it's funny is even what I think. Now I need to be clear. I'm not suggesting that we can take ourselves and say, well now I don't need to I don't need to fellowship with the church. Or I don't need to listen to what other people are saying. Or I need to ignore my past. What I'm suggesting and what the Lord taught me was put those in my hands and I will use those people, I will use your past, and I will use the word and all these things to teach you truth. Because yeah. there are times we talk about truth in the way I'm talking about it right now and we go down this, this street of isolation where we're like, well, I don't need anyone to teach me. The Spirit teaches me everything. That isn't what it's saying. Yeah. And that is not what He was saying to me. And so for me, those were the, the most powerful to this day thing that still rocks me. I'm mm -hmm. shaking right now because it rocks me to such a deep core level. Mm -hmm. so. Well, you know, so we serve a, tri a God who's triune, right? Yeah. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I think we're created in His image, mm -hmm. um, which means I think we have kind of that same concept for us. So we have body, mind, spirit, right? Yeah. So, and I come from a Pentecostal charismatic background. So I certainly know that in every kind of Christian um, community, it's easy to get slanted to one of those. It is. Right? So you get in it some is. mainline churches, maybe it's very intellectual. Mm. Right? Not that that's wrong. We need an intellectual approach. If, mm -hmm. our, if our faith is just emotional, which on the charismatic Pentecostal side, sometimes it gets that way. Yeah. Right? That we get really mm -hmm. fixated on how I feel and what that means, right. um, which certainly has some validity to it, right? Because God gave us feelings. He gave us emotions. Yes. Um, so for you guys, in terms of a training program, how do you address all of that? So it's a well-rounded... Very. Uh, because I think, you know, anytime we get too much of one of those, mm -hmm. it detracts from the wholeness that God has for us. I really believe that, right? Right. Um, you know, and so how, do you, how, does, how does DTS really approach that? Um, and so when somebody comes to you as maybe a continuation of that idea a little bit, what does the training program actually look like? So what are they going to spend time doing? What are you going to teach? Um, you know, from theological to practical methodology, all that kind of stuff, all the ologies that people love to throw out there, right? Because right. it makes you sound smart when you add L-O-G on the end of it. <laughs> right. Um, uh, so, so what does that look like? I mean, if people are listening, they're going, hey, listen, I really want to know what God created me for. Um, you know, maybe I haven't found a way to really to, to, to fully step into that yet. What what would be the benefit, and then what would that look like in terms of them thinking about DTS and YWAM? Okay, so I, I would say as a mission, uh, our our pursuit in truth, one of the ways that manifests is we are interdenominational, meaning that there is no line on the application that asks what denomination do you belong to. You know, there are even, we even have certain uh, stories where people were even non-believers. You wonder why would a non-believer come to a discipleship school? But they do. They show up and they receive the Lord and it's a really rocking, powerful moment for them. But we welcome the intellectual and emotional conversation. Sure. Like we're open. Like sometimes the most courageous thing you can do is approach something with a little bit of confidence that you know what you know. So let me hear what you have to say, and I'm not going to run it through my bias of what I know, and I'm going to weigh it. So that's, um, I know for me, to find some balance, um, because I grew up, the faith I grew up in was not 
charismatic. No. In fact, we didn't even really have an idea of who Holy Spirit was and what he would do. By the time I rolled into the school, I knew the Holy Spirit was real. I had been healed in radical ways. I probably went from one extreme to another with the way how extremes work. Sure. Landed on the other side. And I am working side by side with people that when the Holy Spirit manifests in them or shows up, they become very still. They become very meditative. They don't look charismatic at all. And I can remember the beginning of my journey being really judgy about this towards those people being like, oh, why don't they... Why aren't they getting into it? Why aren't they dancing supposed around? To look like this, Why aren't they raising like their that? hands? Yeah. And, and the Holy Spirit really tutored me in those moments to really uh, to, to understand that He shows up in so many ways that I can't box Him in. So I, I give that little story piece because I, I do think that is the way, that is one way that, that, that we make an effort to um, not fall into one line of thinking and eliminate the other is by saying, let's approach this as family, let's all do this. You know, I know that some people really would be challenged by this, but I even have friends who, um, they fellowship, and they're they're Catholics, and they're a part of our mission, and we work together. Oh, yeah. It's interesting see that people are challenged by that to me, right? Like, so I grew up with, like, I'm like, I, I don't understand that at all. Yeah. Like, but, but, but I grew up with people who do that. So, yeah. so yeah. you're kind of like, <clears throat> and I think it's back to what you guys were talking about, that Jesus... He moves in ways way beyond what we understand, right? Oh, yes. Like, like we, we like to narrowly define things because it allows a sense of control, right? right? Yes. Like that, yeah. I want to control, even as I say I surrender to God, I want to, I want to control what that looks like, uh-huh. right? Like, and so I think our default is control, yeah. right? Because the ultimate sin has always been, every, the genesis of all sin is this idea that I'm God and he's not, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. right? And control is just the manifestation of that, mm-hmm. right? And so from the beginning, when Lucifer fell, I want to be God, yep. right? So wh- however it manifests in our life, the real sin is control, right? Like trying to control outcomes and situations mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And so I think one of the things God has to do when he's really moving in a deeper way in our lives than he has before is he has to break down absolute control for us, mm-hmm. uh-huh. right? And sometimes that's our theological construct, right? Like that I grew up Pentecostal, and so my default is to this is what God looks like. Mm-hmm. Right, he looks like some dude running down the aisle, and you know what I mean. Some lady falling by the altar, uh-huh. and then there's the other part of me that goes, "I don't like that at all." Now, right? Like so, <laughs> so but that's also my attempt to control, yeah. right? Yes. That when I try to say it has to be this way or that way, um, you know, and and then you get people who their connection with the spirit is at Tahoe, sitting by themselves on the edge of the lake. Yeah, right. Like so, yeah, that's a physical yeah. way that uh-huh. that God created as well, right? That we're physical, we're emotional, we're mm-hmm. We're, we're mind-oriented as well. Like, right. That it that if God doesn't address all of those in us, we're still attempting to control things, I think. Yes. Right? right? Like, that we yeah. have to open it all and go, God, whatever you want to do, do. And the more uncomfortable it makes me, probably the better it is yeah. for me, honestly. Yeah. Right. So, well, I think let you me... grow in that in levels, too. I think you do, too. It's not an instant. Yeah, like and, well, I, oh, well, I think, you know, that whole idea of discipleship is that it's a never-ending process. Right. Yeah. Like, it'll never end in this life, right? Yeah. And that it always has to be intentional orientation on my part. In other words, I always think that, you know, we, so a discipleship is a huge part of what we're trying to do here at SCF, and we always describe it as a constant reorientation. Yes. Right? It's like, like if you ever go camping and you take, you know, you're using a compass to, to navigate, you have to constantly look back at that thing mm-hmm. 
because you feel like you're moving in the right directions, but you can be totally off, off on that, right? That yeah. your sense of what is right is not always right. Right. And so that you have to have something that's helping you constant reorient to what is true and what is right. And I tend to believe that's the spirit, right? Like the spirit right. is our yes. agent of reorientation all the time. Right. Where's our true north? Yeah, like right. that he affirms, but he yeah. also challenges, yeah. which are necessary both in our lives. And I think, so I think part of that question then is how do you help people, however the spirit speaks to them, how do you help them hear that? Yes. Right? That some of us, it's like you said, some of us react, you know, maybe emotionally to that. Yeah. Right. In ways that other people go, man, that's weird. Um, right. And then some of us, maybe react not emotionally at all. And then the emotional people go, well, that's weird. Right. Like, right. so I mean, like we're all weird. Right. Like, <laughs> it, like I think that's just true of life. Um, so, uh, and again, I don't mean to interrupt. I, I'm sorry for that, but it's okay. So what does the program actually look like? So if somebody comes to you, they're with you for six months. Yeah. What does yeah. that kind of entail? What are the, mm-hmm. I'm so glad you asked that, that question because, um, this is the best. I love this part. This is the mm-hmm. part that's like, mm-hmm. for me, the what we're gonna learn, and sure. that, and then how do we figure out who we are individually, and then okay, how do I, um, now interact with? Once I know who I am, how does that affect the people around me, sure. right? And so when you do a discipleship training school, you're gonna spend the first twelve weeks, um, in what we call the classroom setting. Okay. Um, each week is gonna be a different topic, and we're gonna bring in um international and national uh, speakers who have honed in on their one thing that the the Lord has called them to know the best or the most or um, just in a deep way. And the topics, oh my goodness. Every every, uh, YWAM school has certain foundations and then they have different flavors of different schools, uh, I mean of different topics. But hearing the voice of God, that's one. Knowing the Father heart of God. What is God's heart? Understanding what that is. Um, missions, cult, cross-cultural missions mm-hmm. is another one. I mean, th- there's 12 of them, so I'm not going to name them all. Um, on the website, on our website, you'll see lists of them. Um, and then, of course, if you go to ywam.org, mm-hmm. that will have even more of them actually labeled. And, and um, But learning those the different passions of God, the different parts of him. When I, I literally think it's like going on a five month honeymoon with Jesus. You literally get to just spend that time and go, God, who are you and who am I in your eyes? And so you're learning, you know, your authority, spiritual gifts, hands down. That was my favorite topic. Cause once we were introduced to the Holy spirit and going, Oh, whoa, He's a he and he actually has a job in my life. And oh, by the way, in Matthew 28, 19, he says that he's going to leave him with me. Mm-hmm. He wants me to go into all the nations and preach the gospel. But he said he's, he's going to leave a comforter. Wait, who's the comforter? The comforter is the Holy Spirit. Sure. And then how does that, How so what's the Holy Spirit? Okay, oh, he has a job. He has gifts. Oh, wait, I get to walk in those gifts? I get to like, so what are they? So to me, that was like hearing the voice of God and, and spiritual gifts. I'm like, bring it on, baby. Let me know me. I want to learn. I want to know what you have for me. Um, and and um, I think because it was like Christmas, opening up a present, learning who I was and, and how those gifts manifest. To speak a little more also to the kind of the mechanism of the discipling or the discipleship, uh, YWAM utilizes a live and learn environment. 
So during that time frame, we live with each other. Mm-hmm. We make lunch and dinner together. We go work out in the fields together, if you will. We, because uh, lots of people have always heard that more is caught than taught type of idea where you, know, you can sit down and for certain learning styles, they love that classroom <laughs> moment. But there are some people who need, instead of just talking about praying for the sick as an example, let's go pray for the sick. You know, the word says, as they went, or, you know, like, let's go, let's went, let's go went. We go, we go, and, and, and we do it together. Uh, we, we customize the training to each person through the use of one-on-ones and small groups. Mm-hmm. Because there's a powerful, powerful uh, element at play when you can hear, like, in, in a small group, what someone else is learning. What, what, what heavy thing today did the Lord release from you? You know, one of my favorite questions that we use, it's actually three questions, you know, but what did you hear for the first time this week? What did you find that you already knew? So something confirmed. And then what is something that you that you just, it didn't resonate with you? you know, I don't like to say didn't agree with, but we say that sometimes um, because we invite that idea that you can have a different idea. Sure. Mm-hmm. I believe that's one of the ways that we allow the integrity of the word to speak is that it isn't about me convincing you again, this is my thing, but me convincing you of, of what I think, tell me what you think. And then we allow the Holy Spirit to weigh in and bring an equilibrium between the two of us. Mm-hmm. And then in the one-on-one environment, that's where the heavily customization thing comes. That's where we start dialoguing questions like, you've been with us now for three months and you're getting ready to go in the field and you're going to get an opportunity to... To, to see everything that you've been studying and been practicing put into play in an everyday context. Mm-hmm. What are you most excited about? Yeah. And if they don't have something they're most excited about, this is a good time to start talking about expectation and like, you know, there are there is a there is an there is a truth to that. There are times you just have to sit down and think a thing through. Many times, especially in the in the in the heavy charismatic end of things, not to use qualifiers. But we just we just believe that like oh that like the answer like that the answer to that question that I just asked would hit you like lightning and God told you what to be excited about. But I believe the other end of that is that no sit down and think things through like you just spent three months with us talking about hearing His voice. Are you not excited that you may not need an interpreter? Maybe they never even thought about that. There there are many times depending on, on how they process and how long it takes to process something, that they've not come to that conclusion. And that's where the one-on-one relationship, we help you process. We help you draw your conclusions. We don't draw them for you. No. But we ask these questions that help you come to a place of processing and digesting what you've been told. Right. And then my favorite question is, you know, and this would be an outreach question. We'd be on outreach if I was asking, this, asking you this question. But what's your plan of action? You're going to go home, and you've been gone for five months or six months, depending on the program. But you've been gone. You've had all this radical experience, radical transformations. And that slot you left at home, if you will, the one that you fit into before, is going to feel weird to go back to that. And in some cases, things that people think about you or you thought about yourself are no longer true. Yeah. Or, or even you're going to go back to church. Sure. Yeah. And now you're going to have a whole different experience and it's going to be easy for you to sit in this place of, well, why don't we do these three things? We should be doing these three things. But that isn't approaching, again, we've talked, all, we've talked for five months about loving others mm-hmm. without an agenda. 
are you willing to sit down that agenda even when you think it's right? Let, let the people who are leading that body lead that body. I bring that one up because it's the most common. Yeah. I could fill this room with YWAMers and that's the one thing that they have to struggle the most with. Yeah. Reintegrating back to life and reintegrating back to their church, their church family because this is a different. Okay. I, so I worked in uh, some background in, in mental health counseling and so I worked in addiction recovery for a long time with people and it's the same dynamic. Mm-hmm. Right, people come in for thirty days. They have this like very isolated experience, yes. and I won't say isolated. It's more um, so insular. Yeah. Right, like they're all the stressors of life are kind of cut off, or and so and it's one of the conversations we always have as people are kind of acclimating back to outpatient or whatever. Right, this idea of you've changed. Mm-hmm. You're going to go back into a situation where people are the same. Yes. Right, like and so. And again, like it's very easy to be cynical or to be judgmental about that, uh-huh. right? That um, because now you're stepping back into the actual, actual existence. Yes. Right. The, the right, actual the really... way things are, right? And yeah. things have changed because you've changed. And yes. when you change, your environment changes by definition. Yes. Right. Because you see it differently, you you process it differently, but <laughs> nobody else sees it like that now, right? So how do you how do you talk to people? How do you have conversations with people? That are not, like you said, that are that are humble. Yes. Yeah. It's not now. I know everything, and you know, and, and you know. So having gone through seminary, I can tell you, you do the same thing, right? Like you come out of seminary, and you're like, hey, I just spent three years talking about this, and now you need to do what I say uh, because <laughs> I, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot, right? Um, but I think it's such that idea that, and I think this is where Jesus modeled it so well, right? That he, God, becomes human. He incarnates. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't force his way on people. No. He invites them. Hey, let's talk about what's the best way, the better way. Yeah. Right? And I invite you towards it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I won't. And he could force people in ways we never could. Right? Like he could have just, boom, you're going to do it whether you like to do it or not. Um, and so I think uh, that's such an important point you mm-hmm. make is that yeah. you have this huge, like, transformative experience. Yes. Which has really revolutionized your own heart, your own life, your own sense of what is true. Um, what are some of the best ways when people step back into those situations? What have you guys found? And I'm sure you probably have that experience to a certain degree. Oh, yeah. Right? So, so <laughs> what were the challenges that you guys face? How have you learned to kind of to navigate through that in a way that's not just, you know, because that can, that can, I can say this, like, you know, when I came out of like seminary, came back into church ministry, like I probably hurt some other people through things I said. Yes. Not even realizing that I was doing that with mm-hmm. the intent of doing that, but just because I assumed I knew more now than you knew, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, or knew things differently than you knew that maybe that. So what are some ways you guys have found to navigate that whole thing? Right. Because yes. at the end of the day, it is about working with other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. At the end of the day, like Jesus said, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Right. And the second is just as important. Yes. Love your neighbors. So how we work with God is best demonstrated in how we work with other people. I yeah. believe that, right? right? So yeah. so how have you guys, what were the challenges there? How, have you, how, how, how are you learning? I shouldn't say learned. I think we're always learning. Yeah. Right? How are you learning as you go to, to help people with that in your own life, but then the students that you're going to interact with as well? So I would, uh, three things came to mind as sure. you were talking. The first is trust God. 
you know, when we, we find ourselves in situations where maybe the best thing isn't happening or our perception is it would be really great if we could all run up and down the aisles and scream yeah. and wave our hands. Sure. Um, I love that, by the way. But, you know... I've seen that, seen that go really badly, too. I'm sure right? you have. I'm sure you have. I'm like, sure you have. Yeah. yeah. Make sure you're actually in the spirit when you do that, because otherwise... Yes. Yeah. You're like, you trip. And it's not the Super Bowl. Then people, like, people like me laugh about it. You yeah. know? Like, right. So, whether that's wrong or so right. So, I like, you know, my, my first thing is, like, process with God. Sure. Go and, and, and tell Him how you feel. Yep. And we're big proponents, not that there's some kind of doctrine around it, but tell, talk to him out loud. Yes. Go in the room by yourself, put a sign on the door that I'm talking to God so people don't think you're nutso. You're not talking <laughs> to yourself. But pray out loud. Pray with emotion. Tell him, this is what I think. What should I... And, and then after you pour it all out, then ask him what he thinks. Sure. Whether you are trained or tuned to hear his voice, he's speaking to you either way. Yep. And if you will stop and you'll humble yourself for 10 seconds... After you, that's why I say you have permission. Tell him how you feel. He wants to know. He wants to think with you. So tell him how you think and what you think, and then ask him what he thinks, yeah. and listen with a little bit of sobriety, having laid down what you think. And then my my second thing would be good counselors, good confidants, good people in your life, who when you look at the fruit of their life, they are showing things of righteousness. They are showing the fruit of their life shows that they have made good choices. Share with them, but I'm not talking about going and complaining with them or mm -hmm. gossiping. Um, I'm trying to think if I should, yeah. Just so when I say talk to somebody else, I'm not talking about gossiping. I'm just talking about someone who maybe doesn't even isn't even in the scenario. I have people who are mentors in my life. They don't even live in Reno, yeah. and so if I were to come across a situation that was challenging, I might call them mm -hmm. because they have no impact. Right. They do have impact, but they're not here. Right. They're not going to go they tell have some somebody. Objectivity. Yes, yeah. thank outside. you. That's what I was going for. Yeah, outside, they have right. objectivity, and then the third is a picture. And if you were to picture two cliffs and a bridge that goes across, that bridges each cliff, think of that bridge as your relationship with the person that you want to share. That is the person you want to see the thing change with. If your relationship isn't strong enough to walk back and forth on, then maybe you shouldn't share. So lead with relationship, that leading with love, that idea that if you haven't developed your um, relationship with said leader and you want that said leader to do something different, mm -hmm. then if you've never talked to them, <laughs> if you're not in relationship with them, then that's going to be really challenging mm -hmm. for the person listening to you as well as for you to hear what they have to say. Also, I've learned that if you develop that relationship, many times you learn why they do a thing that they do. Mm. And you learn that you've seen it. We all the have other a reason direction. for what we do. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right? Like we just yeah. don't take the time to know those reasons for other people. Yeah, right. Yes. To take time. To and know. so I just feel like that the last one, especially, not to disqualify and say that God isn't the most powerful to talk to him, sure. but for me, has saved me from me in a fool. Mm. Leading with building the relationship. If I, if I have an issue or challenge I want to face with a person or with even re-entry um, re into a situation, is like build the relationships. Yeah. Identify the relationships you need and don't just wait for them to come come to you, but look for ways to go to those and mm -hmm. say, hey, can I hang out with you? Can I buy you a cup of coffee? How can I, you know, a way, a really great way to, to build a relationship is find out how can you serve a person? Sure. Yeah. How can I serve a need that you have? Because that demonstrates your, your, your goodwill towards the person and they're going to want to give you time. Whereas if you just say, can I sit down and talk to you? And then the conversation and relationship has a, a codependent air to it, 
not codependent, but a yeah. a, a bad heir. Whereas right. like you or just manipulative, want, or manipulative. Yeah, you want yeah. something from that person. Right. How can I take everything I need and then I won't talk to you for six more months after that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I was sitting on my porch the other day. And I always think like one of the greatest challenges in the Christian community is communication. It is uh-huh. right, like which they come from the same root, right? Like so, like that idea of interaction, intentional, like healthy interaction. And I was sitting on my back porch the other night and in my neighborhood. And so we, you, everybody's got a privacy fence, right? So, um, and it's probably eight 30 at night and I, we, I've got a fire pit going and I'm out there by myself and my neighbor just behind me has a little dog. Right. And so eight 39, he's bringing his dog out and the dog's just yapping crazy, crazy, crazy. Well, the neighbor next to him comes out in his yard and he's like, can you shut that dog up? And I'm just like listening, right? Like I, I don't even know I'm on my back porch probably. Um, and so I, for about five minutes, they just go back and forth, right? Over the privacy fence, yelling at each other. And I thought to myself, this is like a perfect picture of what we try to do with each other, right? We lob like suggestions at each other without even seeing each other. Like I was thinking to myself, they never even saw each other, right? right. Because the privacy fence isn't, so like, and they're not, neither one's very tall. So like, it's like, and they're so emboldened by the fact that they don't actually see each other. Right, and I thought to myself, this is such a great picture of why it's important to not talk to each other without really seeing each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That the best way to handle that would have been, hey, let's let's meet each other, mm-hmm. talk to each other face to face, talk about ways we can move forward with this. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And so I think that's such an important thing that mm-hmm. you know, even Jesus says, hey, listen, if you go to the altar and you you remember that you have this discord with your brother. Yep. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Leave, leave the gift, right? The altar will wait. It'll always be there. Uh-huh. But go ri- reconcile the relationship. Mm-hmm. Figure out. So I think um, sometimes if we're not really careful, we think that we can always reconcile relationships at the altar, right? That if I just talk to God, he'll take care of it. And he's going, no, lay down the gift, mm-hmm. go talk to somebody, mm-hmm. and then come back. Right, like, and so I think that's such an important point you made. That mm-hmm. even when you said, "Hey, listen, I don't want to discredit the first one," I think the scriptures actually point that idea really well. Like, yeah. listen, man, like sure. sometimes we use God as a reason not to reconcile with other people. This is true, Ooh. or at least I do this that. I won't speak Dangerous. for. I'll say I've done. Yeah, yeah. I've done that. Right, it's like easier. that. Um, you know, so I think that's such a great point you made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easy to complain to him if he won't listen afterwards. Yeah, you know, we always. You know, one of one of our taglines for this podcast is, um, you know, you, you can either curse the darkness or you can light a candle. Come on, man. And I think so often we curse darkness, right? Like, yeah. we talk about things that yep. don't change anything, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, you cursing the darkness doesn't make it less. Um, and so I think sometimes if we're not careful, even in the Christian community, we're really good at pointing out what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? But in doing that, we've taken our eyes off Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because we should talk about what is right, and what is right is always yeah. Him. Right. Yeah. Right? That right. if our hearts are centered on Him, yeah. everything else is right. right. Right? Like, it has a way of working itself out, so. Yeah. There's no shadows in the light. No. 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 So stay in the light. Yeah. And when you get far away, and it seems not as bright, go back to the light. Go sure. back to it's Jesus. Go point. back to the relationship that Father has within you and desires to have with you even stronger. Yeah. No because the closer you get to the light, the brighter it is. For sure. So yeah, stay stay super close to the light. That's, and that's what we want to do with YWAM, is just help people step into the light. YWAM Reno, the whole mission and focus for us is help people identify 
What is their passion? What is their calling? And what is the plan? Like, what does what that look like? How do you get there? And then go do it. Go do whatever, whatever Papa God has called you to go do. Great. Let's, okay, how do we go do that now? So with YWAM Reno, that's, we want to help people understand those things. We want to come alongside young people and just partner with them and go, okay, so you really have a passion for kids. Great. What does that look like? What do you think that, let's ask Papa, what is, Papa God, what do you think that looks like? Or whether it's horses and, and, and a ministry within horses or if it's sex trafficking and, and the injustice of, of, of that. Okay, awesome. That's what that is? Great. Now let's connect you with people to go do that in your area. Or maybe Father God is saying, actually, I want you to stay a little bit longer within the YWAM sphere and get a degree in injustice. Because you can get a degree it's called the um, University of the Nations. Yep. So if you want to think about your DTS, your discipleship training school, it's like your freshman year. you got to get your common core first, and then you start stepping into sophomore, junior, senior year. You're getting your next level classes. Mm-hmm. You can do that within the University of the Nations. Why The discipleship training school, that's your first step. And then... Oh, great. So it's injustice that you want to focus on? Great. There are so many secondary schools that you could take for injustice based on trafficking or based on poverty or refugees or whatever. I mean, I'm just touching on one. There are so many. And the crazy, awesome, fun thing is YWAM is not just in America. This is an international, you know, organization there's seven major mission organizations why women is just one of them and it just happens to be the one that we love the most because that's the one the father called us to do and to bring here to reno and so when you take that first entry level and maybe your your passion is intercession and you know just really going after great take a secondary school do your dts and then go into you know a school for intercession maybe it's maybe it's the scripture so you do a a school of biblical studies that's Mm -hmm. nine months long where you're going to do the entire Bible and you're going super deep I mean real deep in the scriptures and coming out on the other side with this like whoa God you're so big you you know because you just so if that's your passion do a, a school of biblical studies or dance or worship oh man we've got some amazing schools just focused along dance or just in in worship or media mm-hmm. oh my word with the social media there's so many photography there's just so many yeah. there's so many ywam.org has you in the search bar on the top was it right hand corner you put in media and it will come up you can put dts and put in photography you can put that in there and then all the schools that do that will pop up mm-hmm. i mean it's there's it's endless, really. And One Nation, if you have, oh, I really love orphans and I really want to go to Africa. Great. Where in Africa? Because that's a continent, not a country. Okay, so where? Is it Mozambique? Great. There's YWAM bases in Mozambique. If it's, you know, Uganda, South Sudan, they're everywhere. So come. Do a DTS. Mm-hmm. Find out and, and conversate with Papa about what is my deepest passion. If there is something that you said when you were younger that, Oh, one day I wanna, I wanna be an airplane pilot, and I wanna fly missionaries to this great. Guess what? There's a school you can go do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's literally limitless. Right. It 
It's only as small as you put the box around Papa. Mm -hmm. So let me just encourage you to break that box and just obliterate the box. Let Papa God show you and open up your eyes to seeing what he has for you. Mm -hmm. Because I can guarantee you, it's far bigger than you can imagine. Mm -hmm. I just get emotional about because it's a passion. Because you care. Oh, so deeply. Well, thank you so much for sharing that angel yeah. and even as you're saying it I'm and I love that how you describe what you all do and how yep. you connect people into those things Absolutely. Um, that is the scriptural picture of equipping saints for the work of ministry yes. like that that's what that is we're yes. we're working to equip saints for the work of ministry whatever yep. that looks like and um my God, I want to thank you for what you shared there because whether or not somebody is going to do a DTS, whether somebody's going to go on a foreign field, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like for all of us, everything that you just said is so valuable for any follower of Jesus. Yes. From the first thing you said, I kept thinking it, and I know this in my own life, but this would be my answer to the question, what do I keep relearning? Um, I keep relearning that it is so much easier to talk about God than to God sometimes. Yep. And when I really think about it, when did I talk to God about this, not just about him to other people or not just about this? So thank you so yeah. much for encouraging us in those and, and reconciling yes. relationships and building yes. bridges and starting with relationship first always because it's what Jesus did and it's what he modeled for it's, us. Yep. I also, as you're talking I kept thinking about one of my favorite quotes from Elizabeth Elliot that holy people are humble people Very always true. holy people are humble people. So thank yeah. you both for your humility and, and sharing all of that. I so yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. And then last question for you. If, if somebody is listening to what you're saying and they're saying, Hey, I think this is for me. I think I want to explore DTS more. What is the next step for them? Uh, go to ywamreno.com. Ywamreno.com. And uh, apply to do a DTS or just send us a message. You can do it on Facebook. You can do it on Instagram. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, and you can just send us a question. What is, what, hey, can we have a conversation? Absolutely. We love meeting with people and saying, okay, what is it? How can we help you? Mm-hmm. Um, or ywam.org because you can go all over the world. We're not here saying, why when Reno is the only place because we know we are not and praise the Lord that we're not. There's so many places all over America and the world to go and step into your true calling. So yeah, that would be the next step. Very cool. Well, just like she said, ywamreno.com, and they have the DTS, Discipleship Training School, will be beginning April 16th of 2020. And we want to thank you both so much for coming in today and just sharing your heart. Thank you. Yes, sharing your ministry with us. We're um, grateful you're in Reno. We're really glad to have you here. Thank you.